How many knows our Father, our Father God, is the epitome of greatness? This is Father's Day, man. Is it amazing that 23 years ago today, on Father's Day, that the Browns were revival that many of you know about broke out on Father's Day? There's just something significant. There's other revivals that began um, over the years on Father's Day. Something shifts on Father's Day, not because we're acknowledging our biological fathers, even though that's great. We acknowledge our biological mothers on Mother's Day. But it is on this day that when we just speak the word out, Father. Everybody say, Father. Say it again, Father. When you speak that out on Father's Day, and we acknowledge our earthly fathers, and we give them cards for Happy Father's Day, whether we realize it or not, when we speak the word even to our earthly father, it is, it is a way that God has designed for us to acknowledge the fact that if it wasn't for God, the concept of father would not even exist in our mind. So when we say Happy Father's Day, we are acknowledging the birth process that happened at the very beginning when God loved us so much that he called us out of himself and birthed us into this world. Are you with me? Say amen. I hope you've, uh, if you've had a chance to get my book and read my book, you'll know that in one of the things that shaped my life was father issues. Still shaping my life to this day. I'm 50 years old and I still got daddy issues. Come on, somebody. You'll take them to your grave, y'all. That's how important parents are to us. In our lives and when they're not in our lives. Positively and negatively. So you know that if, there, if there's ever been anything about me, is, is that for those that know me, know that my heart is to be a father. If I want to be anything in my life, I want to be a father. I want, the, the number one thing I want to be to my children is the best father that I can be. But beyond that, I want to be a spiritual father in your life. I want to pull things out of you. I want to see greatness in you when nobody could see it in me until God used my wife to see it in me. And then throughout the years, and I feel like I need to say this, the, my wife's not the only one that's ever seen greatness and that's ever saw greatness in me. Through, God used her to take me on a journey. But over time, God has sent men and women into my life that have pulled things out of me that if it were not for them, I would have never seen it in me. Are you with me out there? That's what I want to be to you. That, that's what you need to be to the person sitting next to you, in front of you, and behind you. God has called you to, listen, they're going to weird you out, uh, ladies, for me, to, for me to say this. But God has called you, I know, to be spiritual mothers. But he's called you also to speak into people's lives with the authority of a spiritual father. Even though you are not a man, I want you to know that what I mean by that is the ability to affirm. The ability to, to plant seed. Come on, somebody. How many knows that a father plants seed? He's the provider and he plants seed. So I know that, that maybe you can't plant the seed of, of, of what, how a man plants a seed inside of a woman and all that. That's in the natural. I'm speaking in the spirit realm. Men and women, God has called us to speak into people's life. And that is seed spoken into their lives. Are you with me? Say amen. That's what happened to us. Everything was created by let us, let us make them. And the Bible said, and the Bible said that God said, and God said, and God said. Then the Bible says in Genesis 1, 6, 1, then God said, let us make man in our image and according to our likeness. Let him have dominion. You know that scripture. It's my favorite scripture in all 
of the Word of God. The first thing on your notes is this. Regardless of your relationship on Father's Day with your biological father, the DNA of your heavenly father is in you. Regardless of your relationship with your biological father, some of you had an amazing father. Some of you had an amazing relationship with your father. And thank God, some of you, he's still with you and he still have that relationship. Some of you, he's gone on and you miss him greatly. Some of you had a horrible relationship with your biological father. In fact, your biological father scarred you. And some of you never even met him and don't even know he exists. But here's the reality. The greatness that, was within, that is within you was not shaped and planted and molded by your biological father. Your biological father's job is to call it out. He did not put that DNA of greatness within you because if that was the case, then it really would be the truth that, that your success in life depends on your last name. Your success in life depends on who you are lucky enough to be born to in the, in the nice neighborhood on the right side of the tracks. But yet, people who are born on the wrong side of the tracks, born in abstract poverty, who had no money, barely could even survive, have found ways to pull themselves up by their bootstraps and become multimillionaires and change the world. Because here's the reality, environment means a lot. But the greatness that is within us was not put there by our environment. We will believe it or not believe it many times based on our environment. But we need to search deep down within us and find that greatness that only exists in God. Are you with me, church? See, Psalm 68, 5 says this. God is a father to the fatherless, a defender of the widows in his holy habitation. Come on, somebody. I remember standing in the, in the, in the Civic Center, now called Legacy Region. I don't know what it's called now. It's got all kinds of names. What is it? <laughs> Arena. Legacy Arena. I remember standing in there when it used to just be called BJCC. And T.D. Jakes was standing up on the stage in a thing called Manpower. And it was filled with men. Thousands of men were there. And he had called all the pastors down. We were, we were in the, the barn, I believe. It might have been in the little white building. But it was either in the light, little white building or the barn. It was early on in this church. And I had several other men with me. But they were, we were sitting way up in the nosebleed section. And I was tempted not to go down there when he said I needed all the pastors to come down because it was a long way to get down there, if you know what I'm talking about. And I made my way all the way down. And somehow, coming out of the balcony, I was able, if you can imagine, a big giant stage about that tall, if not taller. And T.D. Jakes was walking back forth. I somehow managed to get about right here, right up against the stage. My leg was up against the stage. Closest I've ever been to T.D. Jakes to this day. Maybe one day I'll actually get to shake his hand. But he, because I thank God for that man of God. He's walking back and forth on the platform, and he's speaking to all these thousands of men. And I'm standing there weeping and crying. He's talking about fathers. And I'm crying because I'm reliving all the things that I had to go through with my father. And I promise you, he stopped right here, right in front of me. His leg was about, I was looking at his kneecap. And he's preaching to the, to the whole congregation. His head is up like this. He's not looking at me. But this is what happened. He took his finger 
and he pointed his finger right into my chest. He didn't look at me. He looked at the crowd, but his finger, the whole time he was saying it, was not this. I always thought it was weird that he was, his head was up, and he wasn't doing this. His head was up, but his finger was right in my chest. And he said these words. You have said, how could you ever be a father when you did not have a father yourself? And you have no idea what a father looks like. But I am a father to the fatherless, and you will be a great father. With his finger in my chest. I'm going to tell you something. I remember thinking to myself, I know he didn't look at me. I know he don't know my situation. But I know at that moment, you ever been in a service where, where me or somebody else was preaching and you knew I was preaching to everybody else, but there was zero doubt that when that one thing was said, God used that man or woman of God to say it directly to you. Because you needed it. Can I get an amen? If nobody else got it, you got it. Is this good preaching? I got it. And I got up that day, and I remember we left, and we went to the place that all church folk go after church service. We went to Shoney's, praise God. And we sat down, and we ate at Shoney's, and we were sitting in that, you know how they used to have the little side rooms where you can go in and close the door? We managed to get in there, and a few of us men were sitting around there, and we was all talking about it, and I was over there crying like a baby. And I couldn't, I couldn't tell them. At that moment, what was happening in me. But at, for the first time in my life, I did not doubt that God was going to use me to be a father. I knew I already was a father. I knew I had babies. I had made babies. But how many knows God has not called us to be baby daddies? I'll preach better whether you shout me down or not. I don't, I don't want nobody to look at me as, as a baby daddy. And you know what I'm talking about. Somebody that just contributed, can I be real, a little bit of sperm to the situation and made a baby. I don't care if you think you can say sperm in church or not. Sperm, sperm, sperm. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Just because you can knock somebody up and make a baby, it don't make you a father. Yeah. Amen. Can I get an amen? You might as well give the Lord a praise right now. For the real fathers. We got fathers in this house who are fathering children that they have nothing biologically to do with it. But they're better fathers than their biological father ever dreamed they could be. How do you become a father to a child that you did not have a part in? But the only way it happens is you have to believe. That you are a father. Are you hearing me? You have to see yourself as a father. When, when you want to quit, when you want to lay in the bed and be sick and not go to work, when you want to do what you want to do, and you got just enough money to decide to do what you think you deserve or to do something for your children or your spouse, you know what a father is supposed to do. You suck it up. You get up. You splash water on your face. And you go to work. Because you are a father. You ever seen that show? And if you hadn't seen it, I'm glad you hadn't seen it. Because you don't need to be watching that mess. Mari. Back, when I, back in the day, Mari used to actually have a talk show. Mari Povich. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Now, Mari's show is only one thing. Find out who the daddy is. Am I right? 
That's all that show is. People, people fly from all over the country to literally un- unload their baggage and their story, tell the whole world, and, the, and it's all about the daddy. You got to go take a DNA test, and they build it up, build it up from the commercial breaks, and they're all just sitting there. And the guy, a lot of times the guy's over there going, I'll tell you right now, that ain't my baby. That ain't, that ain't my baby. And she's like, I'm going to tell you right now, that ain't your boy. You're going to support your boy. He's like, I, 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 I don't know what you're talking about. And all of a sudden, Mari goes, the results are in, and the music's building. You are the daddy. And a lot of times, first thing that happens, and I ain't seen it but one, one or t- two times, he'll go, oh, my God, are you serious? But here's the reality. I don't care what he says. I don't care what he does. I don't care what he thinks. I don't care what kind of plan he's had mapped out in his mind. DNA don't lie. Huh? DNA is significant to you and you alone. So if the DNA comes back and says, you the daddy, you the daddy. So I started thinking about that. I started thinking, what is the DNA test for a believer? Where do we know what happens in our life? To where there's almost like a spiritual Maury episode. Where we are faced with the fact that there's announcements made in the spirit realm. You are the son or the daughter of Jehovah God. When is it? When is it? The next day when your test is it. Don't your test. The ne- the ne- we are taking a test today, y'all. The next thing on your notes is salvation is the DNA test that proves who your father is. Salvation. It is at the moment of salvation where there is no denying your daddy. You can deny your daddy all your life, but when you ask Jesus to forgive you, and coming to your heart, you submit, oh, come on, somebody, a seed to be tested through the words of repentance because there's a lot of power, life, and death in the tongue. Can I get a little deep on you here for a second? This is one thing I found out about DNA. People want to wonder, when does life begin? How many knows if something got DNA, I think it's alive. Do you know when you receive your DNA? It is scientifically proven that you receive your DNA from your mother and father at the point of conception. Not at development. Your DNA does not develop over nine months. At the point of conception, when the embryo splits and life begins, inside that little tiny embryo is DNA. That for the rest of their life, every time they brush their hair, every time they brush their teeth, if they spit, if they get cut, if they sweat, what was created in the moment of conception will ooze out of us and we will leave traces of it everywhere. How many of those, they can prove somebody committed a crime by one strand of hair. They can find one strand of hair and put it in whatever condition they need to put it in and break it down and pull the DNA of one tiny strand of hair and look at you in a courtroom and say, I don't care what you say, you were there. Is that incredible? 
That, and that just happened on its own. No. How many knows that's, the, that's the, at the hands of a creator? See, the next thing on your notes is this. Even if you deny your father in the natural, you are still his child. You may not want to be his child. You may not say he's not my father, and I understand what you're saying. That doesn't mean that he's your father. I'm saying biologically, if you go to a doctor and the doctor says, is there any heart problems in your family history? Is there any kidney issues in your, in your, on your father's side? If you know your biological father or you know that your father, who is your true father in your life, who adopted you, who loved you as only a father can, is not your biological father. How many knows it's hard for us to say that, but we can't give the biological history of our adopted father for them to use that as, as to be able to track whether you're going to have issues or not. Because here's the reality. Everything about you, who you are, was molded and shaped by that individual, but the DNA that's in your body is tied to the man that you can't stand. Is this good preaching? I didn't say you, you had to like it, but am I telling the truth? So when I see, so those that know my story, spoiler alert, I think most of you have read my book, you, you realize that, that the father that I thought was my father was not my father. So when I found my biological father, I looked exactly like him, I talked like him, I walked like him. It was incredible. I was like I was looking at a mirror, except for the fact he's a whole lot bigger than me, giant of a man. But he's in my life for a short time. He's gone on. He's, he's, both of my fathers are passed away now. So when I go to the doctor, even now, when, if I'm going to a new specialist, they start asking all those questions, and they, I can answer everything about my mother, because my mother's been in my life my whole life. And then they look at me and say, well, what about your father's side? I have to look at them every single time and say, and, and, and really don't like it that I have to share my business with people, but I have to say to them, honestly, I have no clue. I have no clue if I have anything hereditary that was passed down from anyone on the line of my family because I know nothing about their family history. I know nothing about even how he died. I know nothing about anything that he suffered with. So the truth is, I can tell you half of what's going on with me, but the other half, we're just going to have to believe God for. Now, I want to show you something very, very powerful. I got uh, 22 minutes. Are y'all with me? Say amen. We understand salvation comes from a process called being born again. Somebody shout, you must be born again. Now, we know those terms from one story in the Bible. One story. Jesus, when he preached, can I tell you something? Don't make, take this the wrong way. He didn't preach, you must be born again. Those words. He did preach repentance. He preached how you get to the kingdom. But Jesus preached the kingdom of God wherever he went. Everything he preached, it came back to the kingdom of God. Go back and read it and you'll find his number one topic was the kingdom. He came to establish, reestablish his kingdom. And he came to give us, for whatever reason, access to that kingdom. But the way we know the words born again is when a very famous religious man in the day of Jesus by the name of Nicodemus, in the middle of the night, because he feared for his life, came to Jesus at night. I want to read something to you, and then I'm going to speak out of my heart on something, and who knows where it's going to go after this. 
There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these things that you do unless God is with him. So he's acknowledging God is on his life. Watch what Jesus, Jesus said. Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again. Somebody shout born again. Unless someone is born again, he cannot see. What? The kingdom of God. He cannot see it. He can hear about it. It can be preached about. But until he is born again, he'll never see it. Let's go further. Nicodemus said to him, because here's our process of understanding fatherhood and motherhood. How can a man be born when he is old? He was an old man. Can he go back a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, this is powerful, y'all. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot, what? Enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Now listen to me, I want to show you something. This kingdom, oh, somebody shout the kingdom. This kingdom was not prepared for our sweet little puppies. I'm sorry, I don't know if they're going to go to heaven. I know they made a movie and said they're all going to heaven, and I hope that they do. Lord, have mercy, I hope that my AJ's in heaven. But here's the reality. I think some people care more about their animals going to heaven than they do about their own kids going to heaven. Mm, Did I just say that? I think I did. What's this. Here's the reality. This whole entire thing called humanity, this whole thing called creation, was all designed so that the Father could live with His sons and daughters. That's what it's all about. Because how many notice, what's the pattern? He created man, and the very next thing He did, He come down and started walking with him. What did they do? You think he just walked? No, they talked. As a father, he poured into his son. It was a father-son, father-daughter relationship. It wasn't just a creation story. But man fell. And when man fell, see, some people will say things like this. They'll say, well, you know what? It's probably a good thing. I've actually heard people say this in my life out of just biblical ignorance. It's probably a good thing that even and Adam sinned because if it wasn't for the sin, we wouldn't even be here because that was part of the curse that she had to have babies. I've actually heard people say that. Number one, that means they don't read the Bible because there was no curse. The Bible has caused children a blessing. Okay, so there was no curse of having a child. That was a part of the plan to begin with. Be fruitful and multiply. Replenish the earth. The curse was the pain that is associated with that process. Are you hearing me? So the process of childbirth was always in the plan. 
the seed would be planted by the man. The woman would have an egg that was fertilized, and she would nurture that baby for nine months, and then the baby would be born. Now, let me ask you a question. Watch this. He says something significant that I've preached a hundred times over the years, and I've never seen this until this week. He said, he said to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you don't need to be surprised about this. I understand what you're saying. How can I enter my mother's womb a second time and be born? What you need to see is I'm speaking of the physical and the, super, the, the natural and the supernatural. I'm speaking that the only way someone gets to come and be with me is they have to meet the requirements. And here are the requirements. Number one, they must be born of water. For years I have preached and thought, and I'm not even 100% sure that I'm right on this. This is just my opinion. I've heard preachers preach, and I have preached it, that the water represents the washing of the Word, represents the power of God, because we know water is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. But as I was reading it this week, preparing for Father's Day, I begin to realize that when we are conceived, we are conceived through fluid. I don't want to get deep on you. We are conceived in water. Are you hearing me? We multiply and we are multiply. We we reproduce from within inside of us. We the cells split, they split and they split and they split, and they begin to form inside fluid where there is water. We live in the womb of our mother in water for nine months, and when it comes time for us to be born, what happens? Our water breaks. And when the water breaks and releases, the baby has to follow the water. So, the, so, so when you realize what Jesus was saying, Jesus said, I'm not saying that the birth process of your mother was not important because you can't even be born of the Spirit unless you are born of your mama. You have to be born of water. You have to come in this earth the right way, the way humans come in this world. And when you come in this world through water, then I will take my spirit when you are repenting of your sins. And watch what happens. The first birth was a natural birth, but you were born. I don't want to get too deep on you, but here's the reality. You were born in water, but you were born unto death. Because of the curse... You are born a walking dead man. Now, I'm not talking about babies, okay? Don't, don't understand. We understand age of accountability, all that, right? Don't twist my words here. But how many knows every one of us were at one time a baby? Every one of us at one time was an innocent little child. But every one of us at some point, different ages for all of us, we reached a place in our life where we understood right from wrong and we were able to understand sin and we all had to make a decision whether we was going to serve God or not, right? Your children, as precious as they are, that's why it's important to train up a child in the way they should go. When they're old, they shall not depart from it. But the reality is this. Every one of them is going to come a time. You're going to have to let them go, and they've got to make a decision on their own. And when that moment comes where we move from innocence of not understanding consequences of right from wrong to understanding it, guess what? We cross over into that curse. Every human being that has ever existed walks over into the curse of death. The Bible says that when we receive Jesus Christ in our life, John 3, 16, we'll have eternal life. But if we reject Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, we will have eternal death. Are you hearing me? 
How many knows death? That's what happened in the garden, right? What did he tell them? He said, do not eat of this tree, for the day that you eat of this tree, you will surely die. We understood that when they ate the fruit, they didn't fall over dead, did they? But they died spiritually, and also their body began to decay, because the Bible says, it's a point that a man wants to die, and after that, the judgment. Are y'all still with me? I'm getting too deep for a Sunday morning. Are you still with me? Are you still with me? Say amen. amen. Now watch this. That is why Jesus didn't say to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you must be renewed. You must start over in your current state. You need to try harder. You need to do better. Because it's impossible in the state of what happens when we are born of water, which qualifies us for dominion, right? Genesis 1, 26. Go back and read John 10. John 10, the, John 10's famous verses, verse 10, the thief comes not but to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that might have life and have more abundantly. But if you'll read the whole chapter, it talks about shepherds, it talks about hirelings, and it says this, it talks about the gate that is the entranceway to the, to, the, to the place where the sheep are supposed to be. And, the, and, and if you go study it theologically, you'll see that Jesus was saying in John chapter 10 uh, that, that there is a door and there is a gate. And if you do not come correctly through that gate, you are a thief and a robber. You are illegal. You have no authority. That is why Satan has no authority whatsoever on his own over your life. The only authority that the devil has over your life is the authority that you have given him. Because Genesis 1.26 says only those that have flesh has dominion here. That is why the devil cannot do anything on his own. He has to go find some flesh to use to manipulate and accomplish what he wants to do. He possesses. He oppresses. He moves upon people to say things to you, to accuse you. He don't walk straight up to you and, and, and badmouth you. He moves on a person to badmouth you because he has no authority whatsoever. So he said, Nicodemus, I know you don't get it, but the fact that you were born of your mama is the only thing really that qualifies you to receive what I'm about to do for you. Because when I die on that cross, I'm not dying for any other part of creation. I'm only dying for my sons and my daughter. And Nicodemus, the reason he said he didn't say you got to try harder, you must be born again, is because how many knows? That when we are born, that's the beginning, right? So he says, you have to have a new beginning. So at the moment of repentance of our sin, the old man who was born of water that qualified us for the ability to be his sons and daughters dies. Can I be graphic? It's killed. Because here's the reality. Go back and study Scripture and you'll find no man, no flesh can stand in the presence of God. So the regenerative glory of God comes on us 
with such a magnitude when our heart matches our mouth and our mouth matches our heart and we say, Jesus, I can't live like this anymore. I'm asking you to forgive me. Come into my heart and save me. You are my Lord and my Savior. I surrender my life to you. When you do that, the glory of God that was in the Garden of Eden shows up in your life in such a magnitude that the person that you were before that moment is literally killed. And before your body can even know it happened, before you ever hit the ground, the resurrecting power of God brings you back into this earth again. That's why I said, don't be shocked by what I'm saying. You must be born again. If you'll go back and study even the scriptures that you know and memorize, you will see this is where it's all been heading. Go back and read what you teach about how I was in the garden. All I'm trying to do is get back there with you. Isn't it interesting that he says, repent and be baptized? Isn't it interesting that we understand that it wasn't for those that may disagree with me online, and I don't care because you can't prove it biblically, I can prove this biblically. Those that believe that water baptism is the key to salvation. Notice he didn't say be baptized and then repent. The first step of being born again is repentance. Isn't it interesting? I ain't got time to preach this. Isn't it interesting that Jesus Christ, when he began his ministry, how did he begin his ministry? He, he was sinless, okay? He, he was sinless, but yet he knew in order for me to do what I need to do, I have to be born of water. So he went into his, the Virgin Mary, and he was born in the same process. I don't want to gross you out, but Mary's water broke. And Jesus had to be pushed out head first out of Mary. Are y'all hearing me? And 30 years later, when he began his ministry, he knew this, the process to get into the kingdom. Where did he go? He went to find a man named John who was preaching one thing and one thing only, repentance. He was preaching repent. What? Well, he wasn't just preaching repentance. What should we say? Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. He sees his son, his cousin coming down the mountain. He looks at his cousin and he says, "Behold, the Lamb of God." That takes away the sins of the world. He came in the door the right way. He's a lamb. He's capital L. He came in the right way. Jesus walks straight up to him. Immediately John looks at him and says, Ho, 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 there ain't no way. I see the glory of God on you. And listen, he didn't need to repent. How he knows he was sinless. But he had to illustrate. I need to show the people how this process works. And he's standing there before him. And they're looking around. And he, says, he looks at John. He says, John, you have to do this. It has to be so. So John submitted to it and baptized. Can you imagine the unbelievable part of this? He baptized the God who made him. The God who spoke to nothing and nothing became something. He grabbed a hold of him and took him underwater. And when Jesus came up out of the water, covered in the water, it was at that moment that his own spirit his own spirit came and lit upon him in the form of a dove, signifying this is what happens when you are walking. When you are born of water and of the spirit, they both mixed. The water and the spirit mixed at the same moment. And it was at that time, it was at that moment 
that the Bible proclaims that the Father spoke from heaven. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. How many knows they were one and the same, but it was an affirmation that the physical side of Jesus needed to hear. He needed to hear. Even though the Bible says, if you've seen the Father, you've seen me. He, He made no bones about it. He was equal with the Father. But the flesh side of him that was born of water needed to hear his Father say, I'm proud of you, son. I'm proud of you. And it blows my mind. I know God didn't, doesn't need anything. He's God. But you understand that everything he did here on this earth for 33 years, he did not do it as God. He did it as a man who loved his mama, who loved his earthly father, Joseph. But he was affirmed by his daddy. At the moment... And I, I, don't, I, don't want to, I don't want to preach heresy here because this is not, I'm not trying to preach any kind of her- heretical thing here. But listen, Jesus was never born again, right? He didn't need to be born again because born again people are born again because the, the de- they need to come out of death. How many of Jesus, death does, is not in Jesus. But he needed to teach us. The physical side of Jesus needed to teach us this is how you come to the kingdom. So, he comes up out of the water, and he immediately turns around, and watch what happens. Even though he wasn't born again, he came out of that water experiencing and displaying and demonstrating the power of a born-again experience. Because the Bible said immediately he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to fight the devil. And three times he fought the devil. Three times very dramatic things happened where the enemy tried to be big and bad. One of the times he even took him up to a high place. He said, look out over this city. Look out over this region. He said this to Jesus. Listen to his word. All this I will give you. To Jesus. The devil said that to Jesus. All of this I will give you if you will bow down and worship me. Now, Jesus rebuked him with the word three times. Last last time he finally said, I'm done with you. Get behind me. Get out of my face. But he never one time looked at the devil and said, you stupid idiot. How dare you say that you'll give this to me? You, I made all this. I got authority over you and everything else here. You know why he didn't say it? You know why he didn't say it? Because He knew the devil had that authority. How did the devil get that authority? Because he ain't got no authority here on his own. Man in the garden surrendered it to him. They got the authority of dominion, Genesis 1, 26. They turned right around in chapter 2 and chapter 3, and they gave it to Satan. So Satan had it in his hand. Some preachers call it the title deed, which is dominion. The title deed to the earth. But what, they didn't, what the devil didn't understand was that Jesus has always been big picture. At that moment, if you could get inside the mind of Jesus, you'd have probably heard something like this. Dude, you don't even have a clue what's about to happen. 
Because, see, you done forgot or you done twisted and you thought I forgot, but I ain't even forgot what I said to you in the garden. When you took this illegally, it was given to you, and, and you illegally got it. If you'll remember, I said to you, listen to what he said. He didn't say, a man is coming. He said, a seed of the woman is coming. In other words, is going to be birthed through the process of water. Oh, you ain't hearing me. Just like everybody else. And when that baby comes, you don't understand that that baby's going to grow up and you're going to strike out that snake that's in you with your venom and you're going to bite his foot and you're going to inject his venom, your venom into him. But what you don't realize, it is in that moment. He will crush your head. It's coming. How many knows that when he, when he came back from the dead? Needless to say, you ain't getting to the rest of your notes. When he came back from the dead, he said, listen to this. This will blow your mind. All power in heaven and in earth has been given unto me. It blows your mind when you begin to think that God, when he gave dominion in Genesis 1:26 to man, he opened up his hands and he let it go. And he said, I'm still God. The earth is still my footstool. But everything that happens from this point forward, I'm giving it to you. As my son and as my daughter, your royalty, you are kings and queens, lead. And we messed it up quickly. So he knew the only way he could get it back is God will never break his own word. So he knew he had to have flesh. He knew he had to be born of a woman. He knew he had to come by way of water. And he knew he had to be, as crazy as it sounds, baptized in his own spirit. He had to display to people, no matter how amazing you think I am, I still came the right way through my mama. And I still did not begin my ministry without letting the Holy Spirit come on me. Because I realized I couldn't do it without him. And then it's how awesome God is. As soon as he got it, he sealed it. It could never be taken again. Called, created a whole new covenant based around the shedding of his blood, based on better promises. And he turned right around and he said, I give it all back to you. In my name, you will cast out devils. You will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. You will raise the dead. These things that you see me doing, you shall do these things and greater shall you do if I go to my father. Wow, what a daddy. I'm two minutes over. It's Father's Day. I'm a daddy. I deserve it. I've earned this. I want to read one last scripture to you and I'll be done. I was going to preach about the prodigal son today. One of the things, that was my whole sermon. I was going to preach on the prodigal son. But can I, you, we missed it, didn't we? It didn't happen. But you know what I was going to tell you? It's time for us to change the name of that story. That story is not about the son. That story is about the father. We wouldn't even know about this son if it wasn't for that father. Come on, somebody. I'm going to rename it. I'm going to call it the story of the prodigal's father. 
Because what would have happened if he not went out there and looked at that road every day? What if he wouldn't have had the spirit of a father on him when his son came back? Let me tell you something how awesome it is when you finally realize who you are in God. The most powerful thing in this world, the most powerful force in this world, hands down, is the Holy Spirit. The second most powerful force in this world is a man or a woman who know who they are in God. What does that mean? When you know your DNA. Listen to this. Peter says this in 1 Peter 1, verse 12, about the angels and the prophets only getting a portion of the knowledge and the angels desiring to look upon the things. It says, to them it was revealed, not to themselves, but to us, that they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Things which the angels desire to look into. Can you imagine? We're talking about angelic spiritual beings that fly around the throne of God right now, crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who feels the earth shake, who sees the emerald sea floor, my God, who every day in existence sees the golden throne. Yet, you ask an angel what they would like. The angel would say, I would just like to know what it feels like to be his child. Because I, I take orders. I love him, and I do it because I'm told to do it. But I've never seen him act about any part of anything he's ever made. The way he acts around them. I love the message version. The message version simply says this. Same verse. The prophets who told this thing was coming ask a lot of questions about this gift of life that God was preparing. The Messiah's spirit let them in on some of it. That the Messiah would experience suffering followed by glory. They clamored to know who and when. But all they were told is that they were serving you. You who by orders from heaven have now heard for yourselves to the Holy Spirit. The message of those prophecies fulfilled in Jesus. Do you realize how fortunate you are for angels would have given anything to be in on this? Michael, Gabriel, would trade the trumpet and the, and the sword to be you. Is that insane? No matter all our failures, all our mess-ups, they would lay down their sword and say, I want to be one of them. Because we're the ones that he died for. We're the ones that he lives for. We're the ones that the angels were made to serve. We're the ones that heaven was prepared for us to live with. It's all about us and him. It's never about you on your own. But it is about you finding out who you are in God. Amen. I promise you our church is not moving into something where we have one big service and we just flow from one service to the next. I know that happened. I think it was, was the last week or the week before. I know that happened. It's not going to be that way. Okay, we're going to respect your time. But do you understand when something significant is shifting and happening, we don't apologize. We are being prepared for something. 
I thought everything would be fixed in my life when I found my father. I thought all of my issues would go away when I picked up that rotary phone and called my biological father. My hands were shaking. I thought, this is it. It's all going to be better. Because everything that I thought my life was going to be like, it's not going to be that way. I'm going to have a great life. He answered that phone. He said words that spoke life to me. He said, Larry, is that you? I've been waiting for this call your whole life. I said, I'm going to ask you one question. I'm going to hang up this phone. Are you my father? He said, yes, son, I'm your father. And I hung up the phone. At that moment, I thought, yes. What I didn't realize is I was about to go into more brokenness than I ever imagined in my life. It's going to take me down a road that was even darker because I would never receive my full affirmation from a human being till God used the voice of, of my beautiful wife to speak to my life. It changed everything because the greatness that she saw in me, what it really did, it was chest poking out, even though it didn't happen in the natural spirit realm. I saw myself for the first time ever as a son of my father. That if nobody else saw it, he saw it. 